0: This morning, we're going to take a look at the first Christmas. Uh, That's that's the most significant day, the most important day, uh, one of them in human history. Uh, John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's what happened Uh, This day, 2,000 years ago, that a king was born, not just any king, but the king of kings. Hope was born into this world. Light came into darkness uh, and and truth in a world of deception. Prophecy was fulfilled and the greatest gift was ever given. So we're going to take a look at that this morning if you pray with me. Lord, we're just so thankful for that gift, Lord. We're so thankful for your love that you saw us as lost, Lord, as, as, uh, as sheep that have lost their way with no shepherd, and you came into this world not only as a shepherd over the sheep, Lord, uh, but as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world that would die on our behalf, Lord, and we're thankful for that. We celebrate that this morning. As we look at it, what a gift you've given us. Uh, We love you so much and just lift up this morning, God. I pray that you'd refresh our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. This time of year should be a time of joy and peace and family and celebration and remembrance of what Christmas is all about. Uh, And unfortunately, this is a time of year uh, that, that can spark uh, different emotions, different feelings, uh, and it triggers, more than any other time of the year, can trigger anxiety and depression and stress and emptiness and loneliness. A time that should be a time of great joy can bring us, at times, some depression, some discouragement and stress, right? Uh, Why? Because the message of Christmas and, and the gospel has been replaced. It's been suppressed. It's been forgotten. That The Bible says that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. That's the message of Christmas. That's the reason he came. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. But that message has been replaced. It's been forgotten. And I love Christmas. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, I-, I, love, I love to eat. Uh, so I love the parties. I love getting together with family. I love the music. I love decorations. I love the gifts. I love all those things. Um, but without Jesus, it never lives up to the hype, does it? without jesus christ it 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 it's not what it's intended to be what's it, what what it could be right? People are disappointed in their gifts, right you know you If you're like me, sometimes you give the practical gift, the pan set, right? A set of pans, really? That's what you got me? Or, you know, another robe, right? I'm not knocking anyone who got their wife a robe this year. (laughs) Or slippers, right? Or what if you got a piece of exercise equipment, right? That's bad. That's a no-no at Christmas, right? The treadmill or the stair-stepper, whatever it is. For our kids, the boxes can become more exciting than the toys. That's disappointing. You spend all this money on a, on a toy, and the kids are playing with the box and stacking them up and doing all this, like, play with that, right? Play with the Legos, not the box. I've asked the students here before, do you guys even remember what you've got? The students at our school, you remember what you got last year for Christmas? A lot of them are like, mm, no, I don't, right? Because the hype comes, the gifts come, and then they're forgotten. they're broken, and you don't remember what you got uh, the, from the year before. I was a nightmare as a kid. Uh, my mom probably wanted to kill me. Uh, you know, I, without fail, you know i'd be I'd be you know. As the gifts went out, she would do it like the night before, all these gifts, she'd pack them in another room. Then that night, she'd, you know, put them under the tree Christmas Eve. I had been sneaking around though before that, and I knew which ones were mine, right? Uh, and it, without fail, at the end of Christmas, I would be like, Is that it? Is there like another stocking. Anything I missed, I'd be reaching in the stocking. Like, is that the end of this? Uh, thing, you know, I, can I open your gift, Mom? Can I? You know, I'd ask her these things. Why? Because it you know, and I'd go to bed that night and be kind of bummed out. Like, is this it? Like, all this hype leading up to this one day, I've been sneaking in the, the, the bedroom looking at all the gifts, you know, trying to spy out, guess what it is, shake the boxes. And that's the end. That's it. And, and why? Because there's something better than that. There's something better. There's a greater meaning. And uh, this morning, we're going to read the story and the message of Christmas. If you turn with me to Luke chapter
1: one. We're going to start with the announcement to Mary. Mary. In verse 26, it says this in Luke chapter 1. Now, in the sixth month, the
0: angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, Mary, very young, probably between 14 and 16 years old. And when someone's betrothed, they're engaged. And that engagement in this culture literally meant they were actually married. They hadn't consummated the marriage yet. The ceremony hadn't taken place, but there had to be a a contract. They were married. It was binding. For them to break this off, they would have to get a bill of divorcement. They would have to actually get divorced and separated, right? This This was something that was a commitment. This young girl is engaged to Joseph. She's committed to this guy who's a carpenter. Uh, and, and what would happen in that betrothal period is he would go either build on his father's property or build onto his father's house uh, while he's waiting, anticipating. And then when everything was done, usually around a year, then they would have this, the this ceremony, this wedding. It would be a celebration that could last a week. Uh, and, and so that's the anticipation that this girl has. She's betrothed, she's waiting, Joseph is building, uh, and, and the virgin's name is Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. And he'll be great. He'll be the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there'll be no end. He's not just a king. He's the king of kings. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One is to be boor- who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. And verse 37 says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. And then here's Mary's commitment in verse 38. Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, the handmaid of the Lord, let it be according to your word, and the angel departed from her. So Mary makes a choice at the end of this uh, uh, announcement, and she says, you know what? Let it be according to your will, God. Take my life and do whatever you want with it, right? And, and that, that's... Easy to read, a little bit harder if you're Mary, uh, because Mary will have to explain this to Joseph. What? Run that by me again? What happened? How did that happen? She has to explain it probably to her parents, to his parents. But her commitment, the cost, is, you know what, God, I'll do it. I'm going to do whatever you say. I'll be that person. And what a privilege it would be. But it would cost. It would cost her, you know, Jesus, uh, 30, she would wear this her whole life, this stigma, this rumor that she was unfaithful to her husband. Uh, Jesus, during his ministry, the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders says, would say, you know what? We're not born of fornication. We're, we're, we're not born of an adulterous relationship, an affair. And Mary would would wear that her whole life, allowing people. You know what? Believe the lie. This is what happened, and people will do that. But she counted the cost. Hey, Lord, take my life at whatever cost. And I think that's what you have to do when you when you want to even become a Christian, become born again. Lord, here's my life. It might cost me something. People might you know point fingers at you or or say, "What have you become? Religious? Go to that church." Read a Bible, that's dumb. For Mary, she counted the cost. And, and for Joseph,
1: if you turn with me to Matthew, we'll read that account. It says this about Joseph. Because apparently Joseph wasn't buying it. As much as he loved Mary, There were questions and doubts in his mind. And it says this in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus
0: Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He didn't want to shame her. He loved her, just confused. He didn't want to make an example of her. And it says, while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you Mary your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she, was, she will bring forth a son and you'll call his name Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. That was the message right from the very beginning. Joseph,
1: here's the plan. So all that was done, that, so
0: all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet This is Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and and he, he took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Emmanuel, what a great name means God with us. That's God's plan. That's his design. That's why he came to earth. That's why John said the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? Because God loves you and I so much. That's why he came to earth, to save sinners. He became flesh. He cares so much. It's the greatest mission that he could have was to save you and I. That's why he came to earth. And it cost him so much. Isaiah 59 says this, God's hand isn't short that he can't save and his ear isn't heavy. He's not deaf that he cannot hear. But it says this, your iniquities or your sins have separated you from him. That's what separates you and I. That's why Jesus had to come in human flesh because our sins separated us from a holy God. Sin, and you guys probably know this, sin is to miss the mark. If you were a bow hunter and you're shooting at a target, you're aiming at that little red dot in the middle, and if you could hit that every single time, every single shot, you know, you'd you be good. But when you miss that red dot, that means you sinned, you've missed the mark, you've missed dead center, you've missed the bullseye, right? That was something if you guys went to school... In the 80s, like me, uh, we would shoot a bow in gym class. That's one of the things I think they took away. I don't know if they do that anymore, but that was kind of dangerous. We'd shoot at these targets at the other end. We would, like, it was crazy. And the gym teacher wasn't in control of everything. But to miss the mark, to not hit the center, that's God's standard. God has rules, right? Not to limit us, but because he loves us. We ha- you have rules when you get in your car. There's laws that form this nation, this country. Bible-based uh, foundation that we have as a nation. Don't steal. Don't kill. Right? All the you know, things that are very important become laws and rules. Why? Because you hurt yourself and you can hurt others. And to miss the mark, to sin is very costly. It would cost Jesus his life. In the garden, when Adam, Adam and Eve sinned, right away, God calls to Adam, hey, Adam, where are you? Not because he didn't see Adam, but to get Adam to think, what happened? What did I do? And right away, God kills an animal, probably a lamb, kills an animal, and he clothes Adam and Eve in skins. And it would be a picture all the way through the Bible that that's how bad sin is, that it requires death, a substitute. And all the way through the Bible, you see that a substitute, a substitute. Every year, uh, the Israelites would go in and perform sacrifices for their sins. And then finally, Jesus shows up, and John the Baptist would say, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. There's the ultimate sacrifice. The Bible says all the other sacrifices, they just would cover your sin, but you'd still be able to remember them. They weren't completely forgiven. But when Jesus came, he came to abolish them, to forgive you and I, to give us a fresh start, never to remember them again. Amazing. His name is also Jesus. The, the angel, or the, in this dream, the angel tells Joseph, Jesus, it means Jehovah is salvation. That God is coming to save. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, th- that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. That's what Jesus did. He saw your poverty, my poverty. And he became poor to make you rich. He gave up heaven to give you heaven. Amazing. And there was another name that was given by the religious leaders. It was a friend that called, Jesus was called, and it was his nickname, He's a Friend of Sinners. Right? Derogatory. It was, it was not good that they were saying that. It wasn't a nice nickname. I don't know if you've ever had a bad nickname. Uh, maybe in school. Somebody started calling you something you didn't like. Uh, But this is a nickname, friend of sinners. But that's why Jesus came into this world, to become sin for us. People that appreciated that name uh, were people like the woman caught in adultery, the very act. People like the woman at the well. People like the man at the pool of Bethesda who was there for 38 years paralyzed. People like tax collectors. People like the apostles. People like you and I appreciate the fact, you know what, Jesus is a friend of sinners. He loves you and I. That's the message of Christmas. That's the gospel. That he cares so much. That he came to die
1: for us. If you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 says this in verse 1.
0: It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth under Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of... Of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Caesar Augustus comes on the scene.
1: It's his rise to power in the Roman Empire. He defeats
0: Mark Anthony, comes to power, and the first thing he decides to do is tax the world. And the only way to do that is to get everyone back to their hometown, back to, back to the place where their origin was so they could take a
1: census. And it says, while they were there, verse 6, the days were completed
0: for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. God did this to fulfill a prophecy in Micah 5 2. It says this But you, Bethlehem, Ephratha, though you're little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth unto me one to be a ruler in Israel, whose going forths have been from old, from everlasting. That's eternal, eternity past. God allowed this taxing, this thing to take place to get Mary and Joseph where they needed to be, where Jesus was supposed to be born, predicted 700 years before it ever even took place. That's how important this was. And God moved them. A little uncomfortable for Mary. She doesn't probably realize this when she tells the angel, yeah, I'll do whatever you say. Fine, let it be according to your will. I'll do whatever. Well, Mary, that's going to include an 80-mile journey on a donkey when you're nine months pregnant and ready to have a baby. That might be a tough, a tough right? I, you know, uh, who wants to sign up for that one? It's a time when, when ladies nest, right? They, they do the bedroom and get the crib all ready and the bags packed in the car. And so when everything happens, they're like, let's go. We got to get to the hospital. Uh, she goes, no OBGYN. There's no, uh, no mom, no anybody there. You just got to make this trip. At a time when she wants to settle in and have her first baby, right? And that makes it worse. You know, as you, as you have more kids, it becomes a little easier. You realize, all right, we can't keep them safe from everything. This bubble I've created, you know, it's, it's not possible to keep them in that forever. Uh, but for Mary, this is the first one. Like, you know, you're planning on, an, you know, this nice birth. And it doesn't happen that way. She ends up in a barn, and she lays Jesus in a manger. That's a feeding trough, like where animals eat. That's probably not her ideal plan. Like, this is going to be amazing, Joseph. It's gonna, everything's going to be okay.
1: Uh, I've got everything set. And then this happens. And it says, verse 8, Here's the birth announcement. I don't know who you called
0: first. Hey, we're having the baby. Can you meet us at the hospital? Can you, you know, do you got everything ready? Maybe your mother, your mother-in-law, your husband. I wasn't the first call for Lydia, unfortunately. What? Why don't you call me first? Anyways.
1: It says, they were in the same
0: country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. The, the first people to know to find out are shepherds in the field, strangers, really, to Mary and Joseph. But the angel tells is going to make this announcement. And it's interesting that the lamb of God comes, and the first people that know are shepherds, right? A lot of people think that these shepherds were taking care of sheep for the Passover. And the angel comes and says, verse 10, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. He says, don't be afraid. Unfortunately, this world
1: is full of fear, isn't it? fear of the future, fear of death. We're afraid. I remember being afraid when I was a kid. I would, I would and
0: inevitably Bob was out, would always say, go to the barn and do this. It was pitch black out. I'd be like, no way, I'm not going to the barn. That's crazy. So I would go tomorrow morning, first light. I'll go anytime, but right now, and then, you know, my mom, I would say, all right, Mom, watch me. I'll try to do this. We can do it, right? And she'd watch me, or I'd beg her to come with me, right? That's one of the last things Jesus told his disciples is, behold, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. That takes away fear, right? I, w- I would have I lost all fear if my mom or Bob would have walked across the road and into the barn to grab some strange thing that... I'm sure he didn't need torturing me right <laughs> but in this life Jesus promises disciples I'll never leave you or forsake you I'll be with you to the end of the age that takes away fear and that's the first thing that the angel tells these shepherds hey don't be afraid behold I bring you good tidings that's good news Good tidings. That's the gospel. Good news. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I've got good news for you guys. Of great joy. And that message, to have joy in this world is different than happiness. Right? Happiness can be circumstantial. You're you're happy, you know, whatever. uh, That... You've got a latte tomorrow or whatever. You, happiness can change, and then it's cold, or you got the wrong one, and now I'm happy, I'm sad. I, you know, Joy can be in spite of circumstance, that you understand, you know what? No matter, no matter what happens, God is with me. Heaven is my future, that this isn't the end that God promises to work all things together for the good for those who love him and that are called according to his purposes, that you can have joy in this life in spite of everything going on around you in your life. That's a promise. You can have joy. And that's the message to these shepherds, strangers, really, to Mary and Joseph. I bring you good tidings, of great joy that shall be to all people. There's no exclusions there for anyone, but not everyone listens, right? We went to um, Sportsman's Warehouse the other day, and my wife got a deal Uh, on my way in to buy Josh uh, uh, a Christmas-slash-birthday gift It's right around the same time. Josh, uh, his birthday's in early January, so... We walked in, and I'm passing all these sale racks, and it, was, it said 70% off. I'm like, I'll stop back there. Well, on my way out, they had changed all the signs that said, you know, buy one, get one 50% off. It wasn't as good a deal, but my wife talked to the lady. She's like, oh, yeah, since the sign was up, you can have it. And, and the deal is anything that ends in a 93 or 97 is 70% off, and we're finding all kinds of stuff bringing them up to the register, and it ended in 95 or 98. No, that's not on sale. There was a lot of exclusions, like, come on, this is what I wanted. It wasn't on the rack, though, but it did have a 90-something in it, so I tried it. Like, man, this is great. North Face, or no, that's not on sale. It's the generic stuff, which was fine. Uh, This message is to anyone. There's no exclusions. For everyone it shall be to all people, but not everyone
1: will hear it. Not everyone will receive it. And then he says, For, you, for there is
0: born unto you. It's so personal. Now the, now the angel makes it so personal for these guys. He, he's born unto you. And that's what the gospel is. It's personal. It's that. It's when you... Look in the morning under the tree as a kid, and it's like, "Oh yeah, there's your name. Put that one aside. There's your name. Change the name on this one? No, no. Uh, so personal, that's what the gospel is. He says it's for you. Specifically, it has to be. It's not just random or impersonal, but it's
1: a gift you need to receive. It's a gift you have to open. It's a gift you have to accept. Born unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord.
0: A Savior or to save, sometimes we use that word flippantly and it's lost its potency. We use it interchangeably with other words like, oh man, Martha sometimes brings me a coffee. Oh, man, Martha, you saved me today, right? It doesn't mean the same thing that the angel is saying. Or somebody picks you up on the side of the road when you ran out of gas. Oh, man, you saved me. I was going to be late for work, or I was going to have to call somebody. Man, glad you stopped. You saved me. It's different than this, what the angel's telling these guys. What Jesus did is saved us from hell,
1: saved us from eternal separation. and it's personal. There's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the
0: Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Jesus is so much. He's a provider, a protector, a healer, a friend, but the number one thing he does is he saves you from your sin. He gives you power over sin, the grip that it has on you, the power in your life that you cannot
1: stop, and the penalty of sin. Isaiah 9,
0: 6, you guys know this verse. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The first half of that verse is the human perspective. Unto us a child is born. We all love babies. A child's born, man. You want to pinch their cheeks. You hand them to their moms when they use the bathroom. But you you like to hang out with them and do stuff. I like them at about two years old. They're more fun, right? Uh, They start talking and different things, saying, maybe take a step. But it can be very common. Don't let this birth be common. Unto us a child is born. Here's heaven's perspective. Unto us a son is given. That's the most significant birth in human history. And it came as a gift. It's God's love. Jesus explained to Nicodemus in John 3, 16, a very famous verse that you guys know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the gift. That's what Nicodemus, that's what Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus. God gave. He's a giver. He's a giver. He wants to give you life. He wants to give me life. Sometimes people don't receive the Lord, don't accept him because we think he's a taker. Just going to take my fun. Going to take my time. Jesus
1: wants to give. He wants to give you life. And it says, to whoever believes. It doesn't say behave because that would knock us
0: out of the box because we're not behaved people, right? Even when you become a Christian, you're not sinless. You still fail and fall and make mistakes. Jesus lived that life we couldn't live. So he says, whoever believes this message, Nicodemus, will not perish but have everlasting life. You know what's amazing, Everyone, you know, we, we sing the song about the wise men from the Orient, right? They came from the East. We read it in Matthew chapter two. These guys came from Persia or Babylon. They came 800, 900 miles, following a star, maybe even people that knew uh, that, that, uh, from Daniel being in Babylon, that wrote about Messiah. And these guys travel eight or 900 miles giving gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't know what Mary thought about that when they gave those gifts. Gold because he's a king, frankincense because he's a priest. The Bible says that he's our great high priest who ever lives to make inter- intercession. And then, she, he, and then, and then they gave, him, gave her myrrh, which is an embalming spice. <laughs> Mary probably thought, what, well, is this to bury Joseph with? I don't know. What is this for? For Jesus, because he was going to die. And right away, these guys came in, and they miss, missed Bethlehem. They went to Jerusalem, and they asked Herod, Herod, who's the one who's going to be born king of the Jews? Where is he going to be born? So, so Herod asks the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and they know right away, Micah 5.2, O Bethlehem, Ephratha, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, out of you shall come forth one who's going to be from eternity past. We know exactly where he's going to be born. But you know what? The only ones that went, they're only a couple miles away, five, six miles away. The wise men, they kept going. All right, that's where we're going. The scribes, the religious leaders, even though they were only a couple miles away, they knew right where Jesus was going to be born. They paid it no regard. They stayed right there. They didn't care. They didn't respond to the message, to the gift that Jesus was going to come and be born in a manger, such a humble place. Why in a barn with humility? Why that it accepts anybody? If he was born in a castle in a palace. Sometimes it might knock us out of the box. We, we would be intimidated. Oh, gee, how could we go there? But Jesus had the most humble birth
1: because he cares for us. They had no interest in the gift. Don't let that be you today. If you're a
0: Christian here today, if you're born again here today, remember what Jesus did for you. If you're not, Listen, that's a gift that's free. God's a giver. He came to give you life. He sacrificed his only son for you and I. He cares that much. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for your love, for your gift, for your sacrifice on our behalf. We thank you for Calvary. Thank you that it was so personal for us, Lord, that you're a personal God, that you, you'll never leave us or forsake us. And you came because you're a friend of sinners derogatory to so many people, and yet so people like me, people like us can appreciate it so much, Lord, because you came to seek and to save the lost. And that's what we were, Lord. So we want to respond to that message, Lord, that you love us. We thank you so much, Lord. Pray today we would remember that gift. In Jesus' name, amen.